My gosh, I'm so excited. Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Minefields. This is uh, Colin, and this is Joshua Michael over there in Colorado Springs. What's up, dude? What's up, brother? <laughs> I'm not too sure after that. <laughs> uh, yeah, this is a... Uh, you, didn't this... call me, you didn't call me your best friend, and my feelings are hurt. Oh, my gosh, get <laughs> over it. Uh, yeah, what the... I'm on the jazz, man. I'm on the jazz from watching this episode today. There was some jazz in this episode. That's true. I... I... Well, it wasn't just jazz. I, you know. It... What What do you call it, then, if it's not jazz? If it's not just jazz? Oh, no, you misheard me. I'm saying that no, it wasn't the jazz. I'm talking about the way Hannibal and B.A. talk about the jazz. Oh, okay. A-team reference. Uh, was A-team still on when Next Generation started in 1987? Uh, no, sir. I believe that A Team ended in 1986 or seven, and wow. now I have to figure that. Out. Yeah, don't, don't, don't spend any Keep time talking. worrying about that. Don't spend any time worrying about that. Uh, I, I tell you, I, I watch these episodes and I think about what else was on TV at the same time and how well the Next Generation stands up. Uh, maybe minus the. Oh, was it 1987? Holy cow, that is a long-lived series. Does it say anything about when that started? I don't know why we're talking about the A team, except you brought him up. A team first episode. Yeah, when is that? Eighty two. I'm gonna guess. Eighty three. Eighty three. Pretty close. I really liked that show. My dad would put it on. Hmm. Dude, it had what, what commercial is that? I... You accidentally have a commercial. Oh, what? no, forget about it. I'm not pro pushing Hotels.com. Is that me or is that you? It's not me. Oh, dude, yeah, okay. I'm I'm on a website that is uh, that has some uh, detail on our episode, and that's what happens uh, since they started doing that, allowing ads. So I guess I'm going to hop off of there. We're going to look today at uh, the next phase from uh, Season 5. It's episode number 24. I don't know if anybody ever cares about what episodes they were like original Trek people, original Trek super fans, Trekkers uh, used to. What like, do they prefer? I'm, 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 what do they prefer? I remember when I was a kid, it was Trekkies, but then that ended up being a uh, derogatory term. And now yeah. uh, from what I've heard, it's Trekkers now. I, I can go both ways. I think it was OK. I think it has a lot to do with convention culture. Um, I think some things changed. So I remember being a kid and being like, oh, I'm going to, oh man, I want to go to this Trek Expo in Tulsa. I want to go to this Trek convention, this Star Trek convention. Oh man. What if I, I mean, like what, what if somebody finds out, like, am I going to get, is that going to be weird? Cause comic book conventions and Star Trek conventions were the two types of conventions I heard of 
repeatedly, and they it was to be of concern. And now the whole world is totally different. I remember, like, I would go to the convention, and I felt really nervous about being there. I felt really nervous about getting in, you know, being in line to get my ticket or whatever, or uh, having flyers for it. And it was something that gradually came off over the time over time. Um, and uh, then it was a source of pride. No, I'm going to the Trek convention. You want to go? And it was just this thing. But yeah, man, Trekkies being called a Trekkie for a long time. I guess you're right. I guess it was that high E ending to the word that was not as cool as Trekkers, you know? I was suspecting that. I was suspecting that. And it it really makes sense. It really does make sense. I think that it's... uh, Well, I don't... You know what? I don't want to say what I was thinking. Um... Yeah, derogatory to to call somebody a Trekkie. I just don't see it. But it was portrayed. Everybody that was like major fandom in the 80s and even in the early 90s was portrayed as a real nerdy, dorky thing to be. And you just did not want to be that. You remember you'd watch every cartoon that was trying to appeal to all cross sections of children. And there was always like a sporty kid and then, Hey, here's the token girl. And then here's a token black kid. And then here's a nerd. There was always a nerd. And it was like, they wore glasses and they had a silly haircut, but they were part of the crew. Everybody's part of the crew. It just for the PC of it, but there had to be a nerd. It just, it was a thing in the eighties nerds and like Trekkies versus Trekkers versus anybody just watching star Trek. I don't know, man. Large, there, 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 there are two types of people in the word world: nerds and jocks. As a jock, it is my duty to give the nerds a hard time. Zing, Simpsons. Oh, whatever. Uh, who was the jock in that scene? Oh, Homer was going back to college because if he didn't get his uh, degree in nuclear oh, physics, right. that he was going to lose his job. Uh, he was not only going to lose his job, but the power plant was going to get in trouble because they hired him without even having that degree. And so they had to make sure he got that degree and he wow. got back to school and he was, uh, <laughs> it was one of the best gags they ever did. Um, he's Bart's watching TV and like Homer rushes in and changes the channels. Like, uh, I got to watch a show that I got for, for school and like coming up next school of hard knockers. <laughs> it's like 80s college <laughs> movie. And, and the crusty old Dean's like walking with the president. I hope nothing unsavory happens during this visit. Dean, I am the president of the United States. Don't worry, Mr. President. I've expelled all those rowdy members of Chuggalug House. And <laughs> at that moment, like you see, you see one of like the cool looking guys behind a shrubbery with this like nerd. <laughs> like this bra bomb better work, nerd linger. <laughs> a bra bomb. Uh, yeah, sorry. <laughs> a bra bomb. A bra bomb. <laughs> uh but yeah, the, the the graphic for School of Hard Knockers was obviously this hot uh chick with like, you know, huge knockers. <laughs> knockers. <laughs> sorry. But yeah, it was and, and that's, that's a very Homer... 80s term, man. We went on, how... down our serious rabbit hole that simultaneously, I think, really plays into uh, the material, the history. Yeah, the history of what it was like, like to, to be into that shit. Yeah, yeah. it makes sense. And, and, and before we start the episode, we were talking about this on one of the regular Minefields episodes. But uh, I was getting pissed about how uh, pop culture assholes have ruined a lot of things, but they haven't ruined Star Trek. 
Uh, one of the things, though, is that back in the day, like, my buddy was like, why? Why does that bother you? And, like, well, I'm glad that people are buying comics more. I'm glad that people are doing cosplay. But they've ruined some things like Star Wars. And But the thing was is that back in the day, we used to get beat up for that. And we had to make the choice between uh, assimilating into their bullshit culture or and possibly getting chicks or – sticking with it and being home alone uh with your family at night and watching you know sci-fi on fridays and saturdays instead of being out partying and drinking and we still we still picked star trek and dungeons and dragons over pussy um yeah i think uh i don't know what the disparity is there i definitely had buddies that were it was so weird because they'd be like no i don't really like star trek that much and then a few months later or the next year they'd be like Hey, did you watch Star Trek? Or he's like, um, of course I did. I always, always watch Star Trek. And then you would suddenly uh, be hanging out with that that buddy of yours and watching Star Trek. It, you know, we were watching it at ten freaking thirty on a Sunday night. That was obnoxious. Um, and I remember the first the first girl I knew that liked Star Trek, and I was flabbergasted. Uh. And it was right after I graduated I've high been, school, huh? I've always been I've always been suspicious of girls. Uh, well, not anymore. But uh, but when a girl back in the day would say, "I'm in I'm in, I like Star Wars," I would immediately think, "Okay, so you watched it once with your brother?" <laughs> um, because that's what it was like. So you watched it once with your older brother, not in any way reference to my little sister who got into Star Wars entirely on her own, and uh, that was. That was relevatory. Like she was so cool. I bought her like when the Phantom Menace came out. Yeah. Well, she <laughs> she found it on her own, man. Like, oh, you want to watch this? All right, cool, let's do it. And then she got into it and like all completely on her own. And I remember buying her uh, Darth Maul action figures, and I, for her birthday, I bought her the the double bladed lightsaber, and uh-huh. she was just so pumped. And it's just okay. We're not in 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 to all you MFers out there, uh, which is a a loving term, by the way. Yeah, totally. Um, I, I, I'm not, I'm not shitting on anything at, or or people enjoying things now. I, I just feel like in terms of writing, there's there's a distinct problem because there's more cooks in the kitchen now that want to give Punisher a, a puppy because some study said that the people like puppies and that's what is happening. Um, mean John, Wick? I'm just, I, <laughs> hey, that that movie was genius. God damn it. And John Wick we, is a great can't... franchise. Nothing to di- nothing bad to say about it. <clears throat> well, anyway, Ready? what I'm trying to say is is that I'm not hating on anything. I'm just saying that it was different. We used to work walk 15 miles in the snow. <laughs> Hell no, it was way easier for us. Remember when gas was all super cheap and we had our shitty cars picking up chicks and going to the movies? That shit was awesome, dude. It was yeah. I remember riding around in my buddy's 1984 Ford Escort. And uh, all you had to have was some gas, and we could drive around in our stupid little tiny town that uh, where you could only go to about six places if you couldn't drink, and uh, two of them or one of them was Walmart and whatever. Anyway, this is a uh, yeah, man. I don't know. Let's get into this stuff. This is no, this we're is having a... we're having fun. I I hope you guys enjoy and having some good flashbacks and why we're so pumped about this particular episode. Uh, I was highly encouraged to watch this, not to mention the fact that it was also next on the list because I am very close to finishing my epic run of watching Next Gen an entire year, in an, in an entire year, and 
this was the next one and Colin couldn't wait to do it. And we hope you enjoy our insight into it as writers and comic book enthusiasts and makers and podcasters. And I hope we've incited some good memories of uh, when uh, you guys were sitting at home on Friday night and that's why we do it. That's why it comes out on Friday nights, guys. There you go. Uh, yeah. So let's see. This is uh, yeah, this is the inner light. Like I said, if you're trying to find it on Netflix, that's where we're watching it because uh I can't remember the reasons why, but I started out this way, so that's easy enough. Uh, the next phase... Oh, wait, God, what did I say? Did I say the inner light? This is the next phase, season five, episode number 24. And we'll keep yapping long enough for you to pull it up, but now that I think of it, why should we? You've already pulled it up. You've already seen it because of the cover image. Um, just trying to be polite. Bring us home, brother. Yeah, here we go. Let's uh, begin on Engage. You know, of course, I guess these are the obvious little rules. We'll begin on engage. We'll do a countdown three to one engage. That's when you can start it. We're not, or at least I'm not watching it with any kind of sound playing because we're for broadcast concerns. And, um, uh, what, uh, yeah, you know, obviously if you have, if you've seen this episode before, you're watching this for our commentary and you can watch it with sound, but you know, if you're trying to, it's the first time you've ever seen this episode you know, watch it and then come back and get our commentary. Um, here we go. I'm going to start us off in three, two, one, engage. That totally didn't work. God damn thing. <laughs> How far ahead are you? What's, what, yeah. what, what time are you on? No, I'll go back. I'll go back. I'll go back. I'm I'll sorry, back everybody. <laughs> it didn't work. No, no, no. You had it queued up for so long. It didn't, it didn't want to go off on the, might be on the hair trigger. All right, here we go. Three, two, one, engage. You're killing me. Killing me, Netflix. All right, here we go. Nice. You got it. You got it. Keep my English subtitles on. So this guy in the background, it's nice to see this. I, I, I like Chris Sarandon looking motherfucker. He's a little Chris Sarandon ish. I, I like seeing relief tactical personnel and I always dig that, you know, hey, we don't have Wesley on the ship, so we have a rotating navigator slash con helmsman. Uh, and then but it, this whole episode is rife with uh, background performers who get lines. And I'm by that, I mean, they, they you get you'll 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 see performers that Captain Picard is talking to or giving orders to or something like that. And then they don't have a line. They just accept what they've been told and then that's it. And then that tactical uh, officer had had lines and then the transporter chief, you're going to see her and she's going to have loads of lines. And it's just like, yep. Where's O'Brien? Bro just mouthed off, mouth off to Riker, though. What oh, did you yeah. say, bitch? <laughs> exactly. This ensign, because she's she's edgy. It seems like the kind of thing that Worf could have gotten away in the first couple of seasons, and then he tamed into the situation. I looked at this when I watched this the other day, and I was like, I wonder what the Romulans use in their fire extinguishers. She's running around with some kind of hose. I'm surprised that they that Riker had the balls to show up without any fucking weaponry, and that Worf didn't disagree, <laughs> a little, let alone uh, Roe. I'm pretty sure I saw phasers on somebody. Pretty strange setup. Yeah. 
I don't know much about that prop. It's just a random little busy prop. I haven't seen. I don't the recall only, seeing that one before. The only thing that I, I, I I've never really liked is when they just show up in situations they don't know what's going on. Is that they don't have any sort of protective gear. Like they're touching something that's possibly terribly radioactive mm -hmm. uh, in some sort of sense, or or could be hot. Uh, at least give us some gloves or some sort of uh, a little thing to. Uh, hell, I would have bought it if there was like a uh, a mask to wear when I show up in an alien ground that like we we can't uh, breathe or may or may not breathe. And here, uh, you wanted to bring up that um, Mr. O uh, Jesus. Oh, where's O'Brien? O'Brien. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so obviously, what's going on in this part of the episode is that Ensign Rowe and uh, Jordy are dematerializing somehow when we're having a transporter accident that. It's going to come off to everyone as though they got killed. Like they beamed, they just could not materialize, rematerialize. Um, <clears throat> and for that matter, it's never explained why this happens. But this transporter chief, her name is Brosmer. And uh, who the heck is she? Where did she come from? Why is it her? Where's, where's Chief O'Brien? Slash, we can never figure out what rank he actually is. They finally make him now, the transporter chief. He's, you know, we see him as a lieutenant and we see him as an ensign. And it's like, okay, well, what is his freaking rank? He's the transporter chief. Well, where is he? I don't even know. And I can't find anything right now in my quickest, most obvious. Uh, I think as I resources. think as a writer, it, I like, I know you looked earlier. Mm -hmm. I think as a writer, the reason they made her there was because if O'Brien was there, the, the audience would have questioned the fact that he made a mistake because he does not make mistakes. Pretty much and they you don't see Chief O'Brien make mistakes even in Deep Space Nine. That's an interesting point. Yeah. You can you the, I think this was just a, a simple writing tool that someone that was just working the night shift uh got placed on doing some heavy duty shit and just to make you feel like, okay, maybe it was her fault. And exactly. Maybe they really are maybe they really are lost because I wouldn't see O'Brien making that that mistake. And if I did see O'Brien making that mistake, then we're fucked. I have seen situations with the transporters go down that uh, O'Brien was involved in, especially with uh, Lieutenant Barkley later. But in this instance, it's just kind of odd. Honestly, I, I'm going to posit the concept that we have all of our regular cast members and then we have all of these other speaking roles on the Romulan ship. So they they could have said like, OK, if. If bringing in Colmini costs this much, we can get this gal for less and blah, 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 blah. Or it could have just been a scheduling problem. They, and, maybe he was and, off doing something different and couldn't be in this episode. Just real quick, we're at 4.55 right now, guys. Uh, he didn't say pause it. He said pause it. Oh, yeah. Thank P -O -S -I -T. you. P-O-S-I-T. So I wonder now. about this sequence here because... We all know, having watched this, spoilers abound, that uh, if we're really in trouble, he'd have his away suede jacket on. <laughs> <laughs> that Jordy and Ensign Rowe have phased out of this corporeal reality. And nope, nope, not 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 phased. Like they they might like we don't use that word for a bit. They they might be gone forever, as in they their energy is gone. No, no, I'm saying. Right, no, yeah, we all are under the agreement that we know, but I'm just saying that we know as viewers, oh, hey, here's a case in point. This gal has no line. She just takes the information and plugs it into the computer, and she doesn't say I, sir, or anything 
that would make me comfortable as a captain because then they have to pay her more. Now, I'm not giving them a hard time for doing that. This is an expensive right. episode, and they thought it was going to be inexpensive to make this, but then now you've got Romulan makeup, Romulan makeup like crazy, and then did they have all of these Romulan costumes? Did they have to make more? And then suddenly here's this Romulan interior set that, that this costs set looks something. familiar. Yeah, I mean, it's vaguely like other Romulan-related stuff we've seen, but... um. There's only so many things that are particular to Romulans in here. And then uh, I guess the point I point I was getting to is that what does it cost to make anything? And then how much does it cost? And then you can't get one regular cast member who's a little bit more expensive than getting somebody else here. So I feel like, honestly, I want to check and see if Larry Nemechek ever said anything about this. And um, for that matter, I might as well mi write Mike and Denise and just... Uh, you know, Facebook message them. Hey, what do you think about this? And what was the reasoning behind that? I could have, I mean, I don't know. It just occurred to me that I could do that. There'd Under be some people who were definitely in the know. Understood. Number one, extend the, extend the shields. I love that. That, yeah. that. Mm -hmm. no, no questions asked. You are my number one, like no, no explanation needed. And then oh, exactly. I just love when data, you're the one when, he's when got data. the situational awareness. He's the one that's there. We got data coming up in a, in a little oh, bit. I know. This is, yeah, the whole thing with data here is pretty rad. Excuse me. Yes, sir. I'm moving the fuck out look of the at, way. Look at the hair. All these characters that are running around and their hair is messed up because they are frantically trying to get this stuff to happen. As in they all have like an ace pocket comb to always keep that bull cut perfect. Uh, Riker's, uh, Riker's definitely got an unbreakable comb in his back. Oh, he he absolutely does. Like that guy's got like some Aquanet and a, <laughs> like Aquanet. A, a, and and some like powerful eight hundred dollar blow dryer to keep that hair that quaffed. Stu Stu Studio line for L'Oreal. I guess we're not supposed to like L'Oreal again. They're doing some kind of animal testing, I hear. <clears throat> yeah, I heard some lady at the in the milk aisle like, no, we can't go there because I heard about animal cruelty in like fucking Colorado. <laughs> like like she, but cool it, it's not that it's not it's not that I have a problem with like people boycotting things that may or may not be hurting animals. It was the fact she said it loud enough so everyone could hear so oh, everyone man. could hear. Yeah, I get that. I really like being able to see the shields take the damage there for a second. That was I, uh, yeah, that, that was, was nice. That was that was very nice. That's the kind of thing that they would add into the original series in the remastered HD stuff that they've been doing. Uh, no, this guy's an ensign. I don't so look at Picard people... here. Oh man. I like those boots. Yeah. Those are some super Starfleet boots. She's actually got something that looks like some kind of a, a buckle there. And I don't recall ever seeing that before. There are some episodes when you look at uh, a shot that's wide enough, Beverly, for some reason, is indicative of this more than the others. She'll be sitting at her little um, station on the bridge rounder, and you can see an elastic strap going around between the heel and the foot, like through the uh, arch yeah. of the shoe. Keep keeping it there. Yeah, yeah, keeping keeping the pants straight, keeping the keeping the wrinkles out. Um I I, I gotta say every hmm. time I see Ensign Rowe, even back when she was in True Blood, I always think of Uncle Buck and like here's a quarter 
go downtown and have a rat chew that oh, thing dude. off your face. Harsh. <laughs> so, yeah, this whole business of like them being in fa they're phased. We were talking about that a minute ago. Okay, yeah, they're phased. We know that they're phased. The crew doesn't know that. And um Hello, aphid. I figured uh, if they were ghosts, I figured if they were ghosts, they would at least had some sort of ethereal like effect around them. Yeah, like even just a, a smokiness. That's what I was gonna say. Some kind of like trailing effect or yeah. whatever. She does a good job depicting her concern here. Yeah, this is this is yeah. You're right. This is some great acting. Especially when it's like the, the way I'd imagine how hard it is to act around uh, when you're like filming Men in Black and they hold the tennis ball up and like this is the big alien that's 20 feet tall. I'm like, OK. <laughs> yeah. So I love that shot a second ago when Picard walked out of the turbo lift. He, he's in command. He's in command. Then he's in the turbo lift and then he walks out. And that was the first moment where he took a breath and you realize he's upset. He just lost you know, one ultra critical crew person that he's been working with for six years and this young that, lady who shows me. a lot of promise that he's he's got a lot of interest in in developing her. And this uh, bothered me because when 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 Yar was obliterated, I mean, like it was a, a whole thing. Yeah. Uh, Beverly is ready to Beverly is ready to knock out the paperwork so fast um, that. I, I I wanted a little bit more concern that we just lost some integral people. I mean, like, I mean, okay, you're not that attached to to Roe, but Jordy, like, I want to see some. I, I would, I'd want to see a little bit more reaction than her just. Yeah, I'm just knock out this paperwork real quick and. Well, look, no I mean, deal. I think that I think that Beverly's the one who was saying, "Look, I, I want to. There's got to be another scan I can take. I guess something else I can do. You know, holding on to it, right." But, right, but then so quickly to straight to the paperwork. I mean, like you don't have to do it right now. Go figure. Like there's other things going on. We've there's a crisis we're working on, and she's she's taking care of some exactly. paperwork. That's the thing. Yeah, I see where you're going with that. It it it's a little bit frustrating because there's only so much time that takes place in this episode, but they're still doing stuff. Like they're they scheduled a funeral for eleven o'clock that night, and it's like. What? Why? That's like, why are you having it that night? Why does it have to happen that night? Other than the fact that the story timing needs it before they go to warp. Because yeah, they what they don't say is that when the ship goes to warp, those inertial dampeners aren't going to make any difference and they're just going to get left behind. Yeah. Uh, but who's to say? There's, I mean... There, it's the whole craziness of this. Everything begs new questions. They can walk around the ship, but they have to catch a ride in a turbo yeah. lift with somebody else. You like, know, like the, the the gravity works with their feet, but not not anything else. This was supposed to be an inexpensive episode, what they call a bottle episode, where they were like, "We don't have to build any new sets." But they had to build a Romulan set. And then all of the special effects made this shoot through the roof. It ended up being a very expensive episode for the season. And What's an average cost of one of these episodes? Man, I wish I knew. Honestly, uh, there's got to be a pretty good... I don't know the answer to that right now. I'm more than willing to figure that out. Um, okay. But... Uh, it 
He does have a good look of concern throughout the play stuff. Oh yeah, totally. Is that a is that a Romulan tricorder or is no. he using? No. Oh my gosh, look at that! That was Guy Vardaman. What a sweet guy! I know him. He is a great dude. Um, oh, what are my favorite moments of it? Here, yeah, here's your favorite moment. part. Oh, one of my favorite parts. But seriously, he's like, how many times does he get shot down? And they're like, I no, we need to. Oh yeah, do this. We need to do this, and it's some like ridiculous Klingon like <laughs> some uh, warfism adherence. Yeah, warfism, and no, I don't. I'm not comfortable giving the computers. Let's give him some old ass ones, okay? And, I, and and thank you. I really like when Michael Dorn like he his eyes light up when Worf's eyes light up, and he's just like, oh yeah, no, I like that idea. That comes up every so often, and look at Riker being amused about the whole business. smiling, and still. Big big support yeah, to uh, well, we finally see Jordy <laughs> back. Big support to the hair department for keeping Worf's hair still messy in that sequence. They didn't just the have thing? everybody be picture perfect all the time because of continuity. I just feel like this episode could have been almost another forty five minutes longer to get more out of it. Like Roe figuring out. Well, what the hell happened to me? Well, maybe I maybe I had a check in on Jordy. Well, where would he go? I guess he'd go to engineering. Like, it makes sense that we don't need that, minutes. but I wouldn't mind seeing it. You know, I'd like twenty more extra minutes of fear that they weren't going to materialize enough in time to yeah. let them know that we've got an enemy ab- um, among us. It would have been interesting for them uh, to be trying to watch the Romulan ship go away, and then. It zips away, and they see Romulan crewmen floating in space, and they're like, oh my god, that's what's going to happen to us. You know or what I mean? when the Romulans realize they can only reach, reach warp two. <laughs> yeah, that's going to take a while, but at least they're... It's the question when it comes to this, why are Romulan Federation ships interacting in space at all? They didn't go into the neutral zone. What part of space yeah. are they in that allows for the Romulans to be there where they can interact with Federation ships and it's not a shooting situation? And and not be able to hail their own kind. They probably have and they're too far out, but that doesn't make any sense. Honestly, I bet there's a cloaked Dideridex class ship floating around or two or three. Well, that would make sense uh, if we were writing it that we would want to lure these people in and take advantage of the situation to take their technology, do some spy espionage shit mm-hmm. over uh, with our own espionage shit. They found what we're doing and now uh, let's just take advantage of it um, and see how this works out. But at the same time though, if they're doing these sort of, ex- uh, these sort of experiments in uh, non-neutral zone, non-federation areas, that they would have someone within earshot yeah. to come save their asses uh, with some save their asses in any capacity, as opposed to. But at the same time, though, you're right. The yeah, it, uh, a cloaked a cloaked uh, ship should be there just watching. I I can't believe they would be doing this experiment this far. I mean, they'd need to be in the heart of Romulan space, where they're in the middle of a communication blockout, blackout, like but, the Tal Shiar controlling all of this stuff. Yeah, exactly. Especially considering if they actually succeeded, uh, if this got in the wrong hands, yeah, you'd need some, if if there was a glitch and for some reason the Federation showed up and I was in that cloak ship, I would immediately have destroyed my, 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 my own men. I would have destroyed that ship. I wouldn't even, (laughs) even, I wouldn't even risk 
the Enterprise finding what we were up to uh, and just waited for them to leave so we can find another crew to do it again and hopefully get it right. Yeah. Poor Brosmer. I mean, I'm not trying to... Again. This poor gal. Yeah, she seems like she's like under... under oh. Chronoton field. Uh, what what uh, what is it in um, Watchmen? It's tachyons. Yep, tachyons are going to play a giant role in uh, virtually everything in Star Trek. Also, the tachyons are a real thing, though. Yeah, totally. It's it's the anti-tachyons you have to watch out for. No, I mean just in real life. I mean that's something that's actually you know um, cla- not classified or. Not clarified when you actually put something in in, in the pages as, as as something that we're studying. Um, I feel like the same same like a different use of the word a homonym of homonym of uh, classified like a classified bird. No, I uh, get species. you. Classifications. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So this part gives me pause. Here she is. She's on the bridge. She can walk around. This is the this is the complaint I have that for all the money they did spend on this episode. Unfortunately, like we don't see them having some special way that they can move around the ship while in phase. They're still coming into contact with the floor, and here she's touching yep. a chair, and now she's going right? to touch then, the console. Right, and her big goodbye was a bunch of nobodies that we've never seen before. <laughs> exactly. It's frustrating to me to look at this and go, we know that she can't touch anything, so how is it that she just touched it? Anyway, <clears throat> and just on a quick light note, uh, this this uh, episode expresses my fear of uh, of any sort of transportation uh, teleportation malfunction of what would happen to me. Oh, like the yeah. same way I'm scared of of falling out of a plane. That hopefully Data will realize I'm still there. <laughs> yeah. Still, like the entire time I'm watching this, I've just got fucking crystal method in the back of my head, man. <laughs> That's crystal method, not uh, not the uh, na- the name of a uh, of a drug, a- illicit uh, of illicit drug that I've yeah, been smoking no substance illicit, abuse illicitly. No, we're actually pretty good, man. We we we're we got we we're on the level. It's been awesome. It's been awesome since we stopped all the substance abuse. <laughs> I know, right? Nobody's nobody's saying that we're sub, if we're uh, having issues with substance abuse. By the way, we're just uh, making fun of ourselves. Um, it was called a it was a called a callback joke. Uh, yeah, you know this is a good moment for Roe talking to Captain Picard. It's too bad he can't hear. Her. Would have been kind of awesome like if he'd looked up. Yeah, I know, right? And then and then Jordy came in, but it's kind of it's kind of cute because Jordy comes in and is like, "Oh, excuse me, sir." It's like he's just not used to this. He's so in his own head about what it is that he needs to get done and how this, that, and the other, and blah 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 that he's got to find her and explain it to her whether she wants to hear it or not, and um, that he doesn't, even though he's still like not completely in the situation, Patrick. Stewart just did a killer job there too. This sequence is awesome because like oh, you've got it's an ensemble cast and you've got the protagonists of the story that it's centered around running around doing their own thing, but yet we still have this sequence here between Data and Worf. 
Can you imagine the excitement of being this part of a, not just an ensemble crew um, and uh, cast, but an ensemble crew of when you don't get to work with everyone all the time, but everyone has a special connection. And when you get to like to be in a, in a, in a shuttle with Worf and you get to pick his brain, like, hey, like, tell me, how would you go about this? Because my <clears throat> what I consider to be my best friend just died and I'm not the right guy to do it. And he's telling him a few different ways to, you know, he's giving him a few ideas and but he can't really answer his question. But at the same time, though, like, man, I get to go on a ship with, you know, even even though you're, you're, you know, you've been on a bunch of missions before, but it's just you two together for just a, a small amount of time and, and to enjoy your time together. Cause I've been parts of crews like that. And it's, it's great when like, it's just mm-hmm. like uh, when I was in a band, I remember when, when uh, me and Candace would always ride to the shows together, it, we'd all, we'd all go in a convoy, but Candace would always ride with me. And Candace uh, was just the most hardcore goth, badass chick. She's an art teacher. And man, was she a hardcore gangster rat fan. So every time we drove to any of our, of our shows, her and I were jamming to like the most filthy, disgusting early nineties gangster rap shit. And we just had a blast. It just put us in the perfect mode because like I get that, that, that 15 minutes. Was of, she rapping about Jordy LaForge? Uh, dude, it would have been awesome, but she knew the words to everything, and we had so much fun. Just and it got us in the right mood, and it was just a nice special moment. And I and I and I feel like the the, the crew members they probably looking too much into it probably have that sort of feeling too. And they you get to ask your buddy here, like you know, we're 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 not family, but we're family. And I got a big question to ask you because my best friend just died. Yeah, and no. and I, I love his reaction for. I'm happy for I, George. I, that's what I'm saying. That's what I was gonna say. Yeah, that's I really appreciate. Worf's take on this he's like and I I wonder about that because it's like yeah you know Worf he could have become completely disabled and uh Mm -hmm. or he could have died in that incident and would he have been okay with that well clearly not because he insisted on being able to do something that was technically dangerous to get his legs back to get his spine back and here he is functioning properly what, this is a great shot. You, you were left to wonder. Oh, no. The, okay. This guy in the uniform, uh, Guy well, Vardaman. Well, By the way, let me go into this real quick. Guy Vardaman is the, uh, he was the, the uh, photo double for Brent Spiner, Data. Here we have Data. And you'll notice the similarity in the way that they looked. So he was the photo double, and they would do all of the B unit stuff. And we've talked about this on other other episodes. The B unit stuff where it's like, okay, we got to see Data's hands doing something. So they would paint his hands up and they would put him in there doing that work because Brent Spiner has to be off doing some other thing in the series. So it's, it's B unit material. But they would they would jam him in front of the camera as a character actor every so often. And I don't know, remember if he ever had any uh, lines off the top of my head. But... Um, they eventually you do see him depicted as an Enterprise crewman in one of the rosters, and they gave him a name. They said his name was Darian Wallace, but he's also flipping back and forth between whatever division he happened to be needing to be in. So they just throw whatever uniform on. But um, I like that we've got a big reveal coming up here. Yeah. While we are over here on the Romulan ship, uh, Mirok, <clears throat> the... Uh, the guy that's clearly in charge of the Romulans, as they are right now, the character's name is Mirok. Uh, that's Thomas Capacci, 
who has played at least six other characters in Star Trek episodes and movies. He's a crew person, a, the communications officer on the Enterprise B bridge in uh, the beginning of Star Trek Generations. He's the sphere builder test subject in uh, season three of Enterprise. So he's got a inner, that's, that's him right there, Mirok in the background. Um, and he's sauntering up to Data. And then um, this lady here is Susanna Thompson, who she's got a striking appearance as Romulan, just a beautiful lady. And she is uh, she plays the Borg Queen in episodes of Voyager when they don't have Alice Krieg, um, which always bewildered some people. It was like, why did they why you know, it's just a cat. They couldn't get her for this, that or the other. And I'm like, maybe there are multiple Borg Queens or maybe this is a the queen of a hive or whatever. I don't know. They never went into that concept. How many Borg hives could there be? Here we go. Yeah. It makes, oh yeah, here we go. This guy. This guy's name is Param. The character's name is Param. I'm getting the these card? names. The, the names are come from the uh, Decipher card game. And, um, but Mirok is listed and so is uh, uh, Varel. Susanna Thompson's character. But, um... Yes, yeah. Uh, Brian Cousins here. He goes on into Season 7 to play Croesus in um, Descent Parts 1 and 2, which I'm not going to say too much about. But if you've seen those episodes, you can look at them and just kind of go, man, that guy really goes for the alien makeup. And the last thing I'm going to say is Thomas Capacci, who's playing Mirok, he actually played... Uh, Major Kira's father in two episodes on Deep Space Nine. Here's Brosmer again. You never saw her before. You never see her again. I want to read into it and see if she ever shows up on like in any of the novels somewhere. Is like, yeah, my time with the Enterprise crew was over after that incident. Honestly, they, I bet after a uh, uh, a hearing or whatever they would do. The, the, there would be no way to uh, put any blame on her at all for this. This all had to do with the uh, Romulan technology. I sincerely doubt they would that it ever came to it. It probably wouldn't. You know, they figured out what was going on and they went with it and and everything. But I, I still do like your idea that O'Brien was not in the episode because uh, they needed to show somebody who might ob might might make a mistake. Yeah. And it's, of course, nice to see. I mean, think about how many transporter operators there must be on a ship of this size. And I can't remember off the top of my head how many transporter rooms there are. But then you've got cargo transporters. All of those transporter rooms are probably manned 24-7, you know? I really feel that Data has been on a heightened sense of there's something wrong. And the best he could do is ask to to you know throw the the funeral party and in, in honor his best friend. Mm -hmm. But I really feel he's on a heightened sense of awareness here, and and not just as as a robot that would react to or android, sorry, uh, that would react to uh, differing things in his environment. But he is. I, I really feel he's looking for something without being illogical. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he could take everything for what it's worth, you know, what it probably is. Man, look at how, oh, man. Okay, Jordy, or, you know, uh, LeVar Burton here, 
definitely doing this work on a blue screen and really knowing right. where Brent Spiner is supposed to show up without. Mm -hmm. You know what? I'm totally making a mistake. I guarantee both of them were doing that work in front of a blue screen and Jordy yeah, because had I was him that, as an I was thinking the same thing. Yeah. I was thinking the same thing because Data didn't put something down. He was about to put something down to give that illusion. That God, what whole reason he was work. about to set it down. That was wonderful. I never looked at that before and thought that uh, there was anything else going on with with uh, Data or with uh, Brent Spiner. So this Romulan disruptor, oh my God, what a great prop. We got, I got my hands on multiples of those. Those are as dense as they appear. They are. They are had they have the appropriate weight to make it feel like you're carrying something real so that your hands would tense up, your muscles would tense up. I mean, most firearms, most handguns that I've ever had, like they've got a good weight to them, you know, I don't know, five, ten, fifteen pounds, depending on what they are. And uh That's pretty good work, too. Oh, man. The reflection looked good. But uh, so those props, those Romulan disruptor props are molded resin, and they had so many different paint schemes going on. And I just, I like here in a little while, we'll see Ro messing with that thing. And um, she uh, she uses one of the uh, detail elements on it as it, as a, I guess, a device or like an interface piece. And it's like, I would never have thought that was something that would... Like You're I, talking about how she runs her finger across it. Yeah, like across that little gold I know, section. I know. You'll we'll we'll make a note yeah, of it when it gets yeah, there. Yeah, exactly. Bastard. I like how man, you don't you don't give up on the Enterprise to the fucking dying breath. You do not give up. You take every opportunity. This there's, is a good moment right there. Man. Yeah, no, I dig. I know what you're saying. I really appreciate her being like, no, I can use this for what it's worth. This and is I, I can this just is like, Kitty. Sorry. Oh, Kitty Pride sorry, work. Sorry. Yeah. This is this is Kitty Pride running away from Juggernaut. This is Kitty <laughs> Pride running away from the from the from the uh, the Hellfire Club. This is this is classic X Men awesomeness mm -hmm. because I, I doubt any of these people knew what the word phase meant unless they'd read the X Men. And if you had, if you're watching this, you probably read some Chris Chris Claremont X Men and are very happy to hear that fucking word. Yeah. Because it sure and as hell made time me happy. Period. Yeah, for real. The only X-Men that mattered. I freaking this, this love this. This whole montage of them running through crew quarters and just seeing regular crewmen doing their stuff in their regular quarters. Yeah, this is good stuff. The more humanizing it is or, or, or mm -hmm. uh, solidifying yourself as, as a silent member of the Enterprise as you watch people do day to day. But on a, on a stupid note, what it did make me think of was that battle, that fight scene in Commando. Uh, when... Uh, when um, <laughs> was it commando uh yeah it was it was either commando or predator when they're fighting through the walls in that hotel that's and commando people yeah. are fucking <laughs> it's commando <laughs> it was commando yeah look at this sequence you've got two you've got live fire in this in this area you got these two actors who aren't responding to this fight sequence i love how this guy automatically is just like commander as if there aren't like forty commanders on that ship. <laughs> there goes that guy. To yeah, you love that part. That. 
<laughs> oh, I cracked up. No. <laughs> so He's this done. begs the question: Before we get stuck with any other new new material, you had a lot of feet. thoughts on this. So did I. Like I don't. Th I think that's what happens to them when the ship goes to warp. They just get left behind in space. And it's it, so to me, it's a question of like, what are they even breathing? I get it that yeah. they would eventually run out of food or water in a matter of just days, but like, they, you know, they'd be starving or whatever. But this is only I, so I many wanna, hours later. I want to answer your question, but it all is going to go into our secret comic book project. <laughs> okay, copy Trust that. Me. You got it. I like the continuity here of looking at previous and uh, future Romulan ships and seeing that same Romulan chair. Oh, that man's beautiful. Look how crisp his rank is there too. Like I, those they had yep. a they had a a little molded metal bar that those that punched through from the inside, so you could attach the pips individually, and still curve. And keep that crispness. Uh, that yeah. would, his are perfectly, perfectly straight. Everybody, everyone else is awkwardly, and everyone else is awkwardly pinned. <laughs> oh no, not necessarily. It just depends on who, what, what. Well, what kind it of makes sense if you've ever, if you've ever seen the bars if, on a military uniform. Mm -hmm. uh, my dad's always had that flat back on the back, not just the, the tiny little pins to hold each individual one. They had a yeah. flat back. Mm -hmm. No, these were all handmade. Somebody, I don't remember, I don't know what the material was, but you, there, there was never any, for a uniform component, like we're talking about, it's not even a, pin, or a pun, um, The uh, all of those pin backs were not uniform. So... I know you're higher ranking in gold, but Crimson, uh, I think it just makes perfect sense that you'd be in the uh, goldish, yellowish, orangish, and I'd be in the Crimson. Are you there. talking about me? I'm talking about you, yeah. I'm talking, I'm talking Boomer Sooner, baby. Oh, shut <laughs> it. Uh, the, uh, yeah, I mean, you know about how the uniform colors change, the division colors change, depending on what you happen to be watching, and... So you've got the oh yeah you're I'm sorry yeah we we can get onto that another time this is oh this is this, this is, is something that cute moment yeah what is as a girl and 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 this is not a uh, toxic masculinity and I fucking pissed that I have to fucking say that uh, say this, is, this is a girl moment wondering what a superior officer who is a male is gonna who has power over her wonders what the fuck he thinks about her well and keeping in a, mind that they had a, not uh, a sexy thing. incident recently they, they they did have a sexy incident but i don't think it has anything to do with that i think it has everything to do with what someone that you respect and that you will fucking shut the fuck up to when they put you in place mm -hmm. because you're a commanding officer not boy girl um would say about you at your funeral. And it made me think about like how I've met a lot of people that uh, were suicidal, that fantasized about getting to hear what people get to say about them oh, at, yeah. their funeral, hmm. at their funeral. And that, that, that kind of struck a long chord in me that oh, look at the smile on his face, because uh, this is one of my favorite points. I couldn't wait to bring up here. It was that data listened to fucking wharf. It's a celebration. <laughs> it's a celebration 
I'm happy for him. I'm he he was on on some level even jealous that he was reached where a warrior should go like to Valhalla and we should celebrate and and data rather than rather than listen to the five thousand different cultures and how they celebrate decided yeah I'm gonna celebrate my friend yeah not not uh, mourn him and cry or, or put on some show and that I love it. And then there she is. Fuck you. Right in the head. <laughs> uh, we right, laughed and right. laughed. I remember my brother in particular laughing at that when uh, we watched it the first time. I still remember parts in movies where I saw it once or twice with my, in, or just once with my dad. And I remember in this one specific moment, my dad laughed his ass off. And that will always be funny to me. Yeah. And I will always laugh out loud, even if it's not funny. I just like, just because that's what my dad laughed at. Um, we went and saw play. We went and saw Planet of the Apes, the Tim Burton one, when mm-hmm. uh, Mark Wahlberg kisses uh, what's her name, Helena uh, Bonham Carter. The, the the whole crowd was quiet, and it was an emotional moment, and you, you just hear <laughs> in the in 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 the darkness of the theater, and Robin and I just laugh our asses <laughs> off, and and my my mom just holds her head down like all embarrassed, and like there was a couple of people in the crowd that cracked up, but my dad just like was like this movie sucks. <laughs> <laughs> it did it was terrible it, it was so it was terrible bad. my dad did my dad was sitting tim roth like, God was damn awesome it. though oh tim roth is awesome in everything even four rooms especially four rooms mm-hmm. but we're we're getting uh, deviated here now we've got to figure out a way to trick everyone and 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 not trick everyone to make everyone know we're here because our last effort lost and here's that touch you're talking about yeah i just really dig that, that, that she uses the uh gold yeah. thing there as like some kind of a selector switch so when you see that i'm just saying that is a solid resin uh weapon there or solid resin prop there's no batteries or light functions in it to indicate the special effects when it's supposed to zap uh so i it's just those were great those were just man they were really good here we go here we go we've got one shot at it we got Mm -hmm. one shot at it just getting it like they 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 perfectly placed everyone and let's let's figure it out. Let's materialize as best we can in front of the two people we know. And it wasn't one of those things. Was that a ghost? Ah, who cares? Yeah, <laughs> no, yeah. No, no, no. I Did really like Patrick's yeah, uh, Patrick Stewart's his work in this scene. Look at his expression. I love that they did that. In front I'm of a little data upset too. that they're saying. Because the the, yeah, the instant recall, that... he's replaying it in his mind, and he's also looking at the same space. Right, but they they wasted their opportunity. It was uh, what they should have been screaming was, "Don't turn on the warp drives." Don't. That's turn a good on the point. Yeah. And... That's a really good point. I love this. Look at this. I I gotta say, this is probably some. This is track great, work. This is dolly. When you get, great, it's not. This isn't steady cam. Great camera. This is this is a track. So when you're, uh, but it's really tight. Clean. Very Man. tight. This, when you, I would, I would imagine this is one of those scenes that a director was like behind it and and had someone pushing him at an exact speed. Worf. Oh, Worf. There we go. In on the action here too. Oh, look at that. Acting is reacting, everybody, and those are great expressions. Um, what I'm yeah. saying is, I man, I I don't know if that was, I don't know how that was. It could have been steady cam. It was just so tight. 
but it was so smooth. Here we go. I, I would have loved to have someone, uh, them, be like, okay, track these assholes down. We know where they are. They've got our technology. Obviously, we would have left some sort of tracker for them that they couldn't find in our outdated technology. <laughs> uh, and let's punish, yeah, punish these assholes course. for what they were about to do to us and show up a really like a fucking, like, <laughs> pull, pull over. <laughs> yeah. Pull over. We, there's there's something on your ship we want. <laughs> Who's that guy in the back with the drink that just walked past? <laughs> like all annoyed. Did you see that guy? <laughs> no, I was looking at other dudes at the same time. Finishing <laughs> we have my to water. Rewind it. Once this ends in a minute, we got to rewind and see that guy just walking past like, geez, this party really died. <laughs> <laughs> now, this is, this is something I really enjoy is that like, okay, so the episode in normal circumstances would be over because okay everyone knows what's going on you the big reveal has happened we don't have to see everyone being happy and joyous and and see okay we got to do this we got to do that nope it's over we figured it out move on to the next episode but we're getting a little extra little bit here which happens every now and then in the x-men comics like i've said mm -hmm. when you get to see them being happy for just a moment but this moment here is seeing them enjoy their little like they've had their their moment they're here he's hungry as shit she's not touching her food you were thinking that she was actually upset about her uh, upbringing and how she was raised in terms of her religion and spirituality. I'm thinking what really is going on here is that she's pissed. She didn't get the five minutes here. What the fuck Riker was going to say about her? <laughs> yeah. And and she's saying, no, no, no. It's like, hey, babe, what's it's wrong? It's not about the nail. Nothing. It's nothing. not about the nail nothing. in my forehead. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> Are you mad at me? No, I'm not mad. I'm not upset. I'm I'm just upset about this, but in all actuality, it's something else. Yeah, she wanted to know what the fuck Riker was gonna say because it, it 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 bothered him. I bet if we talked to her at a con, she would say that it was the whole business of Riker. But um, yeah, we'll, we'll talk to her at a con. I'm sure she'll need the money one day. Jeez. So that was a that's an interesting point. We we talked about this once or twice. Uh, the character of Ro Laren was bandied about as being the first officer on Deep Space Nine, but they couldn't get Michelle Forbes to commit to the project because it was you know hey here's a seven year project we want to stick you on and I'm going in Hollywood that sounds like good money, but uh, for whatever reason yeah. she was like no nah, I want to do this and that and whatever and then you know she probably she doesn't want to be ostracized. <clears throat> Or, or or pigeon pigeonhole pigeonhole yeah yeah but then simultaneously it it is of concern to uh actors you know getting typecast and yet she'd already played an alien in deep space or in, in uh yeah she'd already played an alien in next generation and then she here she comes back as a as a semi regular um and then Years and years and years later, in the early two thousands, she's like, "Okay, yeah, I'll come in and I'll play Admiral Kane in Battlestar because it's a limited thing." So she's got the gravitas type roles that she'll play for sure. I'm not gonna guess what you know is her major uh, her major deal as a her character as a uh, actress, but. I'm just going to say, you know, it's kind of cool to have Michelle Forbes show up and play a role in your in your show because she's not just like in everything. It's a bigger deal. Um I'm looking at my game cards from this episode and 
Not much else to say about them. I think it's kind of lame. Uh, <laughs> Param. That's the guy that got kicked out of the ship has only one skill: treachery. <laughs> <laughs> treachery. Yeah, yeah, definitely no fighting ability. Uh... <laughs> He's got a strength uh, of not... nine and and a cunning of eight, and that makes him a pretty amazing Romulan right there. But uh, yeah. Anyway, well, <clears throat> he he died a pretty amazing death. And... That was the real question. <laughs> Yeah, like I, I was really chuckling thinking about him like floating about for years, uh, completely like in my mind, real hell isn't tortures and pitchforks up the ass. It's it's nothingness. It's awareness in a sea of nothingness and uh, depra- being depraved or deprived of all of my senses and for my mind to go completely insane. And I imagine that happened to him the way the Russians did it within at least uh, 10, 15 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> and he's mm. still probably floating. I would like to think he's still floating out there. I, he probably would be, and he'd be phased <sighs> until maybe... Harboring. Wasn't there a line saying your... that they would dematerialize at some point, or they would never... Something would happen with them, but... I, I don't remember, man. All I can think about is how funny it'd be he's just continuously harboring this grudge against <laughs> these two people. <laughs> a federation at large. Everything Starfleet in particular, yeah. He's just—he'd be floating out there in a sense of vertigo, or just because he's the space would be spinning around him. But then, what's more, like he'd have starved in a matter of days, anyways. So (laughs) there's no phased food. That also pleases me. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) the corpse of a phased Romulan just drifting through space through all of time for no one to ever actually like. What are the chances that someone's going to actually encounter this guy and have the detectors to figure out what what is that? Oh, it looks like sensors. uh, Yeah, it's it's a it's a it's a dead moth. It's a dead mosquito. Who cares? (laughs) (laughs) Let's let's ignore that completely. Even though for Romulans, and we should probably check that out. <laughs> yeah. Uh, sorry. I'm trying just, to think of any other it. places. I, the only other thing I can really pop up on this is I'm wondering where uh, uh, the Romulan ship, where else it might have showed up in the series. But um, I don't know. Every time they did something with that Romulan uh, ship model, they kind of altered it for whatever they wanted to scout ship or a science vessel or a patrol vessel or something like that. Anyway, what else you got, man? You I'm, got anything? I'm happy. Like that was, that was a shitload of fun. And I really hope UMFers really liked it. Cause, uh, we know a lot. <laughs> I care a lot. I, I, I hope, yeah, I care too. I hope we're the opposite of Mystery Science 3000, uh, where it's not just stupid mm. jokes. We got some shit to say. We got some insights on the show. Uh, we don't know everything, and we're not pretending we know everything, but we sure as shit want to make sure that you're, if you want to watch something on Friday night and have something uh, something special, because Minefield is special, and and we we can't wait to meet you. Oh yeah, no. If we're ever out, if we're anywhere that you want to, that we're, we'll make sure anybody knows if we're going to go to some kind of an event. You can run into us. We'll be the uh, uh, super cool looking guys that are probably going to wear minefields t shirts or something silly. Yep. Yeah. Wow. But she yeah. was only twenty two. Michelle Forbes was only twenty two in nineteen eighty seven. I'm going through her uh, her uh, background on the uh, Memory Alpha. Yeah. Bring us home, brother. 
good night everybody have a good uh have a good weekend and um yeah uh, tune in we're gonna do uh do the uh inner light coming up pretty soon and then uh i don't know i think i we've talked about it i'm pretty sure we're gonna start uh doing every episode of next generation from the beginning to the end and then go into the movies and probably carry on with the other series depending on how joshua feels about them after he starts watching them and we still need to hit up some x files and stuff like that but um yeah yeah look forward to that we'll uh the episodes that we've already done, we might uh, redo with new material and, uh, you know, because every time we're in the middle of these things, it just new information comes to us. It's like, hey, what about this? Uh, so we might redo them. We might put them on our pa- on our Patreon page or our Patreon supporters get, get access to that because uh, then it's just double content. But anyway, all right. Uh, you all have a great weekend. Uh, this transmission came to you and now it's over. <laughs> See y'all. Violent minded. Mm -hmm. This is called Dead Eyes Number One from Image Comics. Uh, Artist, again, uh, writer Jerry Duggan. Artist Joe McCrea. Colorist Mike Spicer. Letterer uh, Joe Sabino. Editor Will Dennis. Covers John McCree and Phil Noto. Um, We find ourselves in the predicament that uh, Dead Eyes has been missing and is the vigilante from back in the day. And they're doing a news special on him, and every year they do a news special on him. The amount that he stole from one particular gangster keeps increasing steadily from 10 to $12 million. And uh, everyone's like, I wonder where the hell the guy is. And guess where he is? He's at home taking care of his uh, wife with disabilities. And the money's obviously steadily uh, is almost gone. And probably huh. not as much as it as it should have been, as it should have been. And what we've got, it's the the perfect intro to him is you you see where is he? What's he up to? Because we're like six pages in, and she's like, there there's a where are they now? And he's like, well, and they go to this great splash page. Whoever guessed where am I now is wiping his ass, standing up because his hemorrhoids are butt fucking him to death. Wins the big prize. <laughs> <laughs> And and that's that's what it is. They even see shitty water, and it's not even gross. It's, it gets in the shower, and he's just reminiscing on his days of being ultra violent dead eyes, uh, all black, uh, all hood hood esque uh, mask with red like red X like almost button eyes, and he's just fantasizing about it. And he's taking care of his wife, and uh, I'm gonna go play golf, but he doesn't really play golf. He goes and he works. He's a greeter at the at the local Walmart, and he is he's like a man of all trades there and he sees a guy obviously buying stuff to either make meth or to get rid of a body and he's just wants to kill him and he takes over the cash register the guy's about to purchase from and the guy hands him cash he's like oh sorry i can't touch the cash register it's not in my drawer uh, i got to use you got to use card and the guy hands him a card and thinks of it and then takes it back and says fuck this place and walks away but uh, he saw enough that he can figure out where the guy lives and follows him home and overestimates himself. He makes some rookie mistakes. He thinks he's going to go in there and be the same old dead eyes he used to be. And the guy hears someone get in his house, goes at him with a knife, gets a little bit of the jump on him. But, oh, shit, we've got a guy upstairs with a fucking shotgun who immediately trips down the stairs <laughs> and breaks his neck. And he gets fucking lucky. And he smells that something really bad is going on in a underneath the stairs uh and there's one of those locked doors and he opens it up and 
uh, we are met by a large room filled with those that hanging fly paper and oh, yeah. a bunch of very sick children. Oh, no. And a bunch of very sick children. And he was debating on whether or not he should kill them both. And he sees the girls, a change of plans, both of them die. <laughs> oh, it's just, it was such a fun, fun, violent read. And, yep, just to make sure that everyone's dead, he stakes them through the heart uses their phone to call the police. What's your emergency? Come and see. And he gets home and his wife knows something up and she immediately uh, has a has a seizure. And this is a nice balance between a guy that used to be something big and obviously didn't do it as big as everyone thinks he is because obviously they're not living in, in uh, a big mansion or in the Bahamas. And I, what movie was it where they're saying like, oh yeah, he stole this money and like, like and sold as much money, and then uh, the person that actually did it, the, the the hero that's been MIA for a while, was like, no, it was only this much money. And um, oh, you stupid idiot! I never stole the money. What the fuck was that movie? Man, I don't uh, know. It's gonna kill me. It's a hero movie. It's a oh, Kindergarten Cop. <laughs> kindergarten Cop. <laughs> Where really? They, they, they keep thinking that she, she stole all that money from Crisp, but she didn't do anything. All she really did was take the boy. Oh, she didn't okay. take any of the money. Yeah, she didn't take any of the money. That's that's what it was reminding me of. Ah, fun. Uh, Dude, that I, book I would sounds say, awesome. I would say I'd give it a solid seven. I say pick it up if you got the cash, and this is going to be something that you're going to be proud of that you have the single issues. If not, and you've not, if or even if like you're not used to stories like this, definitely pick it up. But if not, just get the fucking trade, man. It's it'll be worth it. That just sounds like a cool story, man. I'm interested in the character. I like washed up guys oh. trying again. Fun stuff. <laughs> I love that shit. I love that shit. It's it's it. Uh, well, he's Duggan's actually writing analog right now. We covered that last last week, and we've got they had a preview for something that looks really cool to me. Uh, in the back, uh, it's called Philadelphia by Rodney Barnes, Jason Sean Alexander, who I believe is working on Spawn right now or does shit for Spawn, comes out in November, and just the tagline is, Corruption, Brutality, Vampires, Welcome to the City. All right, <laughs> I'm in. Awesome. I'm in. I uh, do briefly want to touch on... House of X, number six. Right. The, the sixth book of a limited series of six, which is actually half of a bigger story, a.k.a. Uh, I.E., uh, powers of x they are knocking it out of the park the artwork is gorgeous we the the tribunal that's going to start deciding the laws uh have decided the first thing they do is figure out like the main the main uh like like they're deciding their 10 commandments almost uh they look at they look at nightcrawler and what is like what about you mr you know fucking christian uh what is what does what your god say we should do and he thinks for a second he says you know be fruitful and multiply and then just real big make more mutants so oh, yeah, yeah i remember that from uh, last week mm-hmm. it, it's it's not thou shalt not kill murder no man not because man is so uh precious to them and they obviously want to avoid a uh, any sort of international incident because they're trying to become a sovereign nation they only because the mutants can be copied and uh, replicated and not really die. So that's that's going to be the high crime. And respect the sacred ground of Kokoa. And I forgot to read off the fucking credits here. 
I'm the one that's always fucking spearheading that shit and getting on to you for it. Uh, Jonathan Hickman, writer, Pepe Larras, artist, Marte Gracia and David Curiel, color artist, VCs Clayton Cowles, letter, Tom Muller, design, uh, Pepe Larras and Marte Gracia, cover artists, and they really, I, I, I really suspect that that Hickman is responsible for this graphic art for the way he did in and like the 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 lettering in in certain areas where they're designing the what the tribunals like and the the living tree in the in the main room or the the embodiment of Krakoa with uh, one thing that I really like is they brought back one of my favorite X Men uh, a couple couple issues before this really kicked off with Cipher from the New Mutants they like I think in my lifetime they've killed him oh, three times yeah. already uh-huh. and we like Cipher. he they've killed him and his. Uh, his uh, the mutant power of language. I mean, one of that's usually the one of the very first things I pick when designing a character for D and D is that my character, uh, if I really want, like instead of making some joke character, if I'm really wanting to kick some ass, is that my guy can decipher pretty much anything, and that is such an invaluable thing. And he's pretty much cipher is pretty much the one that because uh, Krakoa can't really talk, but what, the way it communicates is mm. in obviously its own language, but no one knows how to speak it except cipher. And it even took Cypher. It was even actually a challenge to Cypher how to figure out what the fuck the 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 mutant living land was trying to say. Yeah. Uh, they they're wrapping things up. They're finally showing you what some things meant in the first couple issues, like how how they're really and why they're putting this all together. And we see what we rarely get to see, which we know is the Harbinger of Doom, is the X Men happy for just a brief second. And parting at the creation of their sovereign nation, Dazzler is making the most beautiful uh, spectacle of a fireworks show. Beautiful colors. This could only be done from di from the digital world. Uh, little little tiny scenes like uh, Wolverine holding on to holding on to, to Cyclops and Marvel Girl, and looking at Scott smiling, not not holding Scott and then looking at at Gene. No, he's looking at Scott and he's handing out beers and. He walks away without even looking at her, and he goes and he he hands a beer to someone else, and we see uh, one of the best lines. We see you know that that uh, Lion King esque type Pride Rock where Magneto and Xavier are are standing standing tall, and Magneto says, "When I'm like, it's this is going to be an iconic line. Just look at what we have made." While Apocalypse, who has uh, given in to live there and play by the rules stares at them from from the darkness obviously plotting something there was one extra line here that i really i'm not sure if i want this line to be true and i need your opinion on this one uh before they they announced because at the beginning of the, this entire story that it's it's the humans uh showing up to see what the hell the x-men are up to uh but they finally show when chuck finally broadcasts his his uh I don't know, agenda to the world. Before yeah. he does, uh, Magnino says, uh, Charles, Charles, yes, Eric, whatever has been there between us over the years, all our disagreements, all the anger at the other's relentless ideology and unyielding persistence, that ends today. You have my word. And he, he's just holding his shoulder and you see Chuck just smile. Like, it, like that's what, it, it, it was something that, Magneto wanted needed to say, and it was it needed to be heard, and it was especially the the perfect thing to say 
to, to Charles as he puts on the new Cerebro to broadcast the message of what the X-Men are, 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 are doing and the, their sovereignty and the magical, um, almost magical herbal healing things for the humans. And what do you think? Do you, do you, do you want to see an end between the squabbling between Eric Linshaw and Charles Xavier? Yeah, sure. I want to see that last for a long time. And then, you know, hey, it's nice to see that heel turn face and stay that way. Uh, it'd be really difficult for me to ever, to believe Chuck would ever be secretly the bad guy. But uh, there, I, I, I'd hesitate to bring this up, but I mean, I remember feeling like he had a lot of sketchy little side things going on. Ultimate X, but um, I never got the impression he was doing. There's some sketch, sketch going on with Charles on this. Yeah, I'm I'm getting a sketch impression here on this one because they 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 have made it a point that when Charles is walking and in his new suit to not show to not fully show his face. Huh. When I they wonder... show his face, or like from from front on, he's got this. Is Cassandra Nova anywhere to be seen? Unfortunately not. Unfortunately not. It would make sense considering what happened in New X-Men that she would be perfect for something like this. Um, but uh, there, there's got to be a reason why she wasn't picked for this. That, that Now that you pointed out, her absence is very suspicious. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. It maybe you know maybe that's why they haven't shown shown fully shown his face. What if because I see the smile, I see that there's a bald head from behind, but what if what if we're missing the female eyes? You know, like like where it's definitely Cassandra, and you can tell like maybe there's a scar or something like that from everything that happened in New X Men. Yeah, I don't know. There's we need to re-release that. I'm gonna re-release that. I'm. A, Oh, our I'm new X-Men conversation? Uh, it... Yeah. I'm going to re-release that just for our readers that, because that, we only had like, like it took us a little bit to get some following, but by then we, the very first episode was something that I think people wouldn't have thought to go back to look at, but yeah, I'm going to re-release that. Yeah, that was a really good long conversation. Uh, that'll be a treat. like three hours long about new x-men and us with the original idea that our comic podcast was going to be the long box before we even considered talking about wrestling or, or <laughs> that everything has evolved so so organically and the next thing we know we're doing star trek and it's just still the most popular thing we do and i just god bless it you know but wow it, it just takes even energy out of me just talking about the x-men because it, it's that exciting and if you're and i've said it i pretty I think pretty much every episode if you're not reading house of x or powers of x you are fucking up you are making <laughs> a big mistake you are uh and it in it and it's not because oh you better go get it for they're all sold out because they're all sold out everywhere and you're just gonna be forever to fucking find this no you are missing a movement you are missing a party you are depriving yourself from being part of integral x-men history when you were a kid and you found out about dark phoenix from the cartoon and 
found out about the comics and you thought to yourself, man, I wish I'd have been alive when these came out or man, I wish I'd have known these, like the, I would have been uh, part of part of it while we were all reading it and all absorbing it and knowing that we're going to be talking about this for years when they eventually fuck up X-Men again, um, which is fine. It's going to have ups and downs. Yeah. Um, but I, I think I've made my point. <laughs> I think I made my point. And, and to go back to the WWE, X-Men has ups and downs. But they they bring in the right guys and they give them the reins because I, I I really think Hickman only had maybe like one or two extra cooks in the kitchen for this one before he was let off his leash. Yeah, yeah. Mm. That's all I have to say about that. Tell me about Sabrina. Tell me about Sabrina. Yeah, Sabrina is a fun book. Uh, let me pull up my credits here. Right, written by Kelly Thompson. Uh, penciled by Veronica Fish, inked by Andy Fish, letters John Morelli, and uh, it's Sabrina the Teenage Witch started coming out this year, so I believe it's a January book. Uh, and this is I haven't been able to ascertain yet, having read the first three issues, if this pre I guess this predates um, her coming to Riverdale or if that's even a thing. She lives in another town entirely. It's an Archie book. So, you know, I mean, it's those characters. And she lives with her two aunts and her, uh, like, reincarnated sorcerer cat, uh, who is named Salem. And she's just legitimately into interested witchy stuff. But instead, and she's, you know, she's witch-capable, has powers, can cast spells and stuff. She knows how to make tinctures and all kinds of craziness. But the thing is, this is a teenage high school story. She is, I, I haven't been able to figure out whether or not she's some kind of a actual teenager or some kind of an immortal trapped in a teenage body or something like that or what's going on. But um, she starts going to high school. She doesn't like seeing this girl pick on other girls uh, or people for that matter. And um, it's trying to develop love triangles. Um, some of the popular pain-in-the-butt characters turn out to be some kind of lycanthropic antelope demon or something, and then there's a guy that turns into a kraken. So there's some kind of stuff going on, and uh, she's clearly too young to be able to tackle it. So it's a little bit Harry Potter like that. You know, her aunts being like, no, we're going to get the Ministry of Magic on this or whatever right away. We're going to do something about this. This is beyond you. But at least they shut her down and there's no room for her to be like, well, I'm going to sneak out with my best friends and go out there and do that because she didn't have any friends. She lives with her cat and her two aunts. And those are the people that she knows outside of the people she's meeting at school. But I guess they got assigned to that town by their, you know, witch cabal. And... um I don't know. It's a cute book with cute little stories. Uh, the characters are drawn really well. Sabrina never looks the same. I'm not going to say she doesn't look like appropriate from one scene to the next, but she's got really great. Uh, I'm going to say this. Veronica Fish has a really great command of being able to illustrate facial expressions, emotions, uh, postures, all kinds of stuff. It's car it's cartoony, but it's not over the top pain in the butt 
you know, like exaggerations and stuff. But uh, I also feel like it didn't know what it, it did. It hadn't completely felt itself out initially. So, you know, three issues in, it feels like more of a straight story and we're only a couple of days into the overall story. And, and um, I don't know. I'm going to finish reading them. Uh, I have five issues. I'm going to see if there are more. And uh, like I say, I don't know. I'm reading it because it's her. And now, I mean, I want to watch the TV series because I'm compelled by the character to see how they can do it right and see how it translates into a uh, film uh, medium. But yeah, that's what that is. How is this? <clears throat> From reading Archie comics my whole life and just loving anything Archie, uh-huh. uh, is it is it sticking within a, a nice vein? To, obviously, they're making contemporary, but is, does it have any of the tropes of the old of the old comics that would in any way signify that it's still part of it? Still has a little bit of the 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 fun oldness to it, just every now every now and then, or is this just completely brand new? Um, I wish I could tell you because I am not aware of what it was like initially. Um, uh, my sister and I, I wish we'd kept them, but we, him and her and I should have a, a, a large box filled with Archie and Jughead digests. I wish we'd have kept them. Right they on. were expensive. What, uh, those are, sorry, essential road trip reading and plane <laughs> trips yeah. along with Mad Magazine. What uh, what what character did did your sister like most? Oh, Jughead. Okay, that's cool. Jug Jughead Digest was the best one, and I don't know why we just love Jughead so much. It just he's just a lot of fun, and he's not too serious, and but he's also not too lazy. And I like I I never got the impression that he was like the stoner guy, like which they dude probably yeah. super super tempted to make him. Because uh, of his love of hamburgers, but they're not Scooby Snacks, and they're not a bunch of dirty ass hippies. And uh, no, man, the whole mode. motorcycle gang thing and the TV series is awesome. That's like the biggest oh. part of the show. Uh, one of my best investments per per month. It cost me four dollars. Is the Boomerang app, and that is a the app oh, right. for the tel- the the television channel Boomerang, mm-hmm. and. Every single Scooby Doo anything's on there. I'm not just talking about the Reluctant Wolf, also the WWE ones and uh, the Kiss one. Oh, the Kiss one was great. Awesome. Uh, uh, my uh, the 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 Creme de la Creme is the entirety of a pup named Scooby Doo, which was the fucking best. <laughs> and uh, also thousands of Looney Tunes co- uh, cartoons. Um, the Jetsons. Uh, Captain Caveman is on there. Uh, so if any of you like grew up when, uh, not Adult Swim, but when Cartoon Network was in its fledglingness mm-hmm. uh, and staying up late and watching some really bad campy cartoons that were just perfect, like uh, Thundar the Barbarian, uh, and wait, just waiting for uh, a Space Ghost to come on, it's it's worth the four bucks every month. You won't even notice it. Cool. Anyway, uh Sabrina, what do we got next? It's got Star Wars. Oh, I just got Star Wars. What have you got? Star Wars. Justice League and Black. Justice. No, you've got Black Cat. Oh, I'm sorry. I do. I do have Black Cat. That's correct. I feel like that was the first one I read this week. It's a ways ago. Well, Hmm. pound it out, brother. (laughs) 
Uh, let's see. This is Black Cat number five. Whoops. Let me click over there. Um, find my copy and pasted stuff. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's Black Cat number five. Jedediah McKay, penciler, travel foreman, colorist Brian Reber, letterer Farron Delgado. Um, I really liked the the cover that I picked up. <clears throat> excuse me. Because it has this vague, like, um, I'm not going to call it vague necessarily, but it has a, it seems like an homage to the 007 opening where the, you're looking down the gun barrel um, at him. But instead, it's all of these different characters who are particular to the Black Cat's life uh, that are that are depicted in the swirl uh, with Felicia in the center. But and I feel really weird because I feel like I missed the last issue because this is Yancey Street Shuffle Part Two. Um, you know, she's got her cool guys that her, she's got her gang working with her and everything. Uh, and they're 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 still savvy and not annoying. Um, she's got the the dude from the first couple of issues whose job she wrecked uh, doing security following her around and they have to team up for a minute because they they broke it into the Baxter building, the headquarters of the world famous Fantastic Four. And she's kind of on a dinner date with... Again? Them. No, no, she, they broke into the Sanctum Sanctorium before. <clears throat> yeah. So I guess we're going to break Which into the Dr. Avengers Strange. Mansion in a minute or a Shield Helicarrier. I don't know what. We're going to all these landmarks. But, um, yeah, she was having a dinner date with Johnny Storm. And, uh, you know, she brought her gang along who were operating as, I don't know, like waiters and shot, like stuff like that. And then I don't know where Blastar shows up from the negative zone and they got into this big fight and her friend and uh, her 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 gang is like, OK, yeah, we can fight these guys. And she's like, no, this is a super powered battle against extra dimensional beings we have no business fighting in this and i have a lot of experience doing it that doesn't mean i think it's intelligent for us to do it and then uh uh <laughs> ah damn i'm having a hard time with their names even though i like these guys bruno her uh the bigger dude from her gang ends up putting on some kind of thing costume and going out to fight Blastar, and he gets his ass kicked, but Blastar respects him for not running away from him, even though he didn't, it, like, he just showed up in a tracksuit or something. And uh, simultaneously, we have all these flashbacks to uh, her would-be father, who is telling her what she needs to go out and collect on all these missions and stuff. And um, I don't know, there was just so much craziness going on in this and because I feel like I missed the original or the first issue here, I'm not entirely sure I know what it was they were even trying to steal. And in the end, I'm not sure I care. It's just one of these deals where it's like, what what could possibly all add up to something with what these things are? But I appreciate that she paid the guy off and now maybe he's going to be an ally. The uh, the dude that uh, whose job she got she got him fired from. Uh, but there's this that gang of thieves that she's involved with, and she wasn't doing kickbacks or something. And uh, I think what's her name, Odessa Drake, and um, they're all pissed off at Felicia, and they don't really care about a lot of stuff. But then finally, when they realize that uh, the Black Fox is working with her, everything stops, and it's like, okay, well, we got to pay attention to this guy. 
So he's either on the world's greatest heist or or who knows? We don't know what it is. I you know that that there you have it basically. Sorry, was I don't know it, if that was the best you, or the what, worst or what, 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 what would you no, I was listening to you. I'm just I'm just curious like what what as a story, I mean, did is was it worth it? Was it worth the our listeners' money? Uh, is it something? What would you rate it at? Um, as a comic book issue, I'm gonna say this is a solid four. But like for this title, I'm gonna say it's a six. I mean, some of the one one of the issues was definitely you know the best out of the out of this whole franchise, and it was setting everything up. But um, this isn't going to get me to stop reading it. It's fun. It's cute. It's fast-paced. And you don't have to... You don't have to have read everything to be just, like, in the situation immediately, as I complained about with the other books earlier in this. The DC books. So, I mean, yeah, I'm going to keep reading it. It's Felicia Hardy. I'm a huge fan. I've always liked her. And like I say, I really dig that uh, her gang is back from her earliest issues. We hadn't seen them in decades and decades. So underutilized characters coming back and do them doing stuff with them, I really appreciate. Always been like that. So I have my reasons. <laughs> I, I believe you. Uh, I didn't like Star Wars this week. Um, I'm bored with that whole concept. I'm, I'm super glad that, uh, Darth Vader's there and he's communicating and he's talking to C-3PO and C-3PO doesn't want to let on what he knows, but his mind should have been wiped. So what does he know? And, uh, you would hope that there'd be some kind of recognition in the end, but I can live without it. And then, uh... It turns into the age-old question. Yeah, you tried to lure the Empire there so you could blow up a planet and kill a bunch of Star Destroyers. But here now, despite the fact that you're going to eliminate an entire species, could you eliminate Osama bin Laden? You know what I mean? Like, he's here. Can we get him? Mm -hmm. Can we get the... Mo arguably the most powerful guy in the Empire? You know what I mean? I mean, blow up the planet and get rid of him? Or can you... Capture him? There's no way you can capture him. Chewie and C-3PO stand no chance of capturing him. But oh, oh, well, of course not. But even then, like uh, the the question is, yeah, blow up the planet and then kill these perfectly new uh, sentient beings that we have no knowledge of. Yeah. That uh, I feel I feel that they're doomed. Uh, I I really do. And uh, before we get too far into it, Greg Pak, writer, Phil No, yeah. artist, VCs Clayton Cow's letter. Phil Noto cover artist and action figure variant cover artist by John Tyler Christopher. That guy is a badass. I miss Love that. It. What what's the figure this time? Oh, I didn't see it yet. I'm just reading off what the I'm gonna look that up. What they say. Those are the, just gorgeous. I can't believe they're still doing those. See if I can find it. It's it's worth it. Uh it's worth it. Yeah. No, they're uh, itching. While you're looking that up. Last but very not least, Justice League 33. This one is one of the best comics this week. We are getting closer and closer to the ending of Year of the Villain, Doom Rising right now. And in order to understand this, it, it's they don't make it too hard if you're not reading every single book. Uh, we see John's son 
with his wings watching the three brothers. And again, uh, Justice Dumore, part four, Scott Snyder and James Tinian, the fourth writers, Bruno Redondo. Did, didn't we just talk about James Tinian, the fourth a minute ago? Uh, Bruno Redondo and mm. Daniel Sampier pencils, uh, Redondo and Juan Abraham inks, hi-fi colors, Tim, Tom Napolitano letters, which we talked about earlier, Francis Menopole cover. Um, the sons of the woman who has been enslaved, well, enslaved, she's been in exile, she's been captured, and has given Lex Luthor such ultimate power as he has gone through the cosmos, giving people even a little snippet to upgrade their power and to really make them choose between, uh, which I really like here, is the difference between justice and doom. And the three brothers, Monitor, World Forger, uh, and God, I don't even know this guy's name here because I'm so ignorant on the subject. They are trying to take her down. And Luther tells them, I've done the calculations. You're going to lose. And they all forge together into one particular being called the Ultra Monitor, where mm -hmm. they, they can each, they all have control over it, almost like fucking Power Rangers in a shitty way. But you can all hit, all their voices are, are within them. And they are being super powered by Starman. And. Uh, all of a sudden, they've got a fighting chance, and they are doing everything they can to buy everyone that's in the past and the future the time they need to return with the relic to put this woman back in her fucking place. And we've got some great characters. We've got Dr. Fate. We've got original Green Lantern with new Green Lantern, and they are working their way in the past to uh, Atlantis to get the, the, the shard that they need to help put this woman away. And but Luther already had had his baddies there. Sinestro is waiting for them, uh, because their plan with Aquaman was to talk to Poseidon, who his descendant. And they get there, and the throne is empty, and he's already been enslaved. And it's great because the guys that are taken over is the uh, Atlantis belongs to Vandal Savage and his Legionnaires Club. <laughs> and I'm like you, you, you Bush League Hellfire Club. I love. It. <laughs> I, I, I love it. Like uh, it, it's it's like a still shot from uh, Night at the Museum and uh, uh, like mixed with Hellboy, and Poseidon's been enslaved, and they are enlisting the aid of all the future heroes of the DC universe. And I love it. Now though, in the face of the greatest disaster ever, after because he's seen and heard the stories that everyone unites and fails. I see a different message in the old story. We cannot each fight alone, not this time. We understand. What do we need to win? More justice. <laughs> justice. <laughs> it's like Batman Beyond and all the future guys uh, banded together. Oh, I love it. It's fucking great. It was so much fun. Uh, the great part about it is, yeah, this was an action issue. There was a, you know, when we've complained about, oh, it's just the whole fighting for 20 pages and who gives a shit. Uh, no, there is deep intellectual thought in, within every page and every conversation. And I can't wait for this to all be in one giant-ass omnibus, because I will buy this one. Cool. Yeah, I'm looking at all these variant covers now. I'm just scrolling through them one after the other. They're just beautiful. My goodness. Uh, Prune Face. That was a dense week. Yeah. Prune Face was the uh, variant cover. I believe his I believe he's called Ormorico in uh, some Star Wars canon. Uh, yeah, that's a ton of material, everybody. 
I can't believe we got through it all. We, uh, yeah, we got through it all, and hopefully you guys understand we're trying to approach this as writers and uh, not just say, oh, it was so cool, you should totally check it out because it was so fucking rad. No, 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 we're doing our best. We're writers. We're doing our best. We're making comic books. We are making art. We are limit-pushing every day. And I don't know about you, man. I don't know what we've been listening to, but I've had Vegas on oh, repeat yeah. as well as the new dance department from yeah. Friday. Just nonstop dance music to keep that that limit pushing uh, as far as the limit can go. Uh, I did a but, lot of uh, uh, I am Mike Kim this week because I've been uh, playing it on guitar. Brian, anyways. Uh, are you reading? Are you reading just tabs? Uh, yeah, and I'm occasionally trying to learn some, like, actual, I don't know what to call it, scales and stuff like that. I'm trying to, I'm trying to find to do the, the right hand work out there in the, uh, I don't know what the vernacular is, man. It's been so long since I tried to pick up guitar, and I traded a dude for a guitar that I had that I didn't want anymore, and so I'm relearning stuff, and it's just, now it's all different, because the internet like you would go somewhere and have to go to some school lab and print off a bunch of stuff. And I remember I had a fat stack of paper that was like, here's all these STP tabs and here's that Smashing Pumpkins song that I like or whatever. I, and I remember having a binder. I remember yeah. having a similar binder. Totally. Hmm. Yeah, this is where we are with things. You know, you can just get on a website and it'll crank it along and it's, oh, hey, pay money. And I'm like, well, yeah, do I really... Maybe, maybe I want to pay money. I don't know. So I can have all of these options or I can help improve it. And I'm like, dude, I am not there yet to be there's, able to help improve anything. There's a very good uh, Guitar Tabs app that's worth like the three bucks uh, for eight. Actually, I think it's $8. It's definitely worth it. Yeah. It, 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 a lot of people put a lot of different work to it. Cool, cool. That's all I got, brother. You got anything else to take us home? Oh, not immediately. Uh, just work week, download books. Download books and download whatever else. I mean, all that Audible stuff that I've been listening to. And What did I just finish? I just, I'm still listening to my mom's book. And like, uh, I'll have to do a long box on that later. That's a tough one. That's a book about civil the Civil War in Indian Territory. And then, uh, like, we talked about the right stuff, but we didn't go into great detail. Just trying to find stuff that I can actually listen to yeah. when people aren't playing their music so loud at my shop. And then I'm going to be on the road going back and forth, and then I can really listen to stuff and not be, uh, not be pestered by other people's country music or uh, whatever they happen to be listening to that I'm not into suddenly. So that's kind of that. Well, hey, man. Yeah, we did good. <laughs> yeah, man. All right. Well, you, you uh, see you we appreciate you. Yeah. Sorry. We'll <laughs> see you on like Friday. Spun it's out dangerous. on on ending this. <laughs> yep. Take it yeah. easy, everybody. Have a good week. Later.